Welcome back to Novel Approach, episode 11, for the 4th of August, 2022. With your host, James Soden, and special guest, M. Catherine Bunton. Welcome to Novel Approach this week. This is Jim Soden, your host, and I have with me as a guest again today, Molly Bunton, a local St. Louis writer. Uh, she's been our guest the last two weeks, and we've talked about uh, uh, several things in her writing, uh, the series of children's books uh, called the Rainforest uh, Series. And then we looked at um, uh, the Stargirl trilogy and the influence uh, of Stargirl and the way that she's developed and how she will continue to develop in other works. And so today we're going to look at a group of uh, books that um, I guess I would think of as more adult books. Um and so there are three of those that work together. And then the newest book, which is a handbook for uh, uh, students going off to college or in college. And a, a very, very unusual um, and I think helpful approach, something that you just don't get in other handbooks. And uh, this is called Not Your Grandmother's Handbook. But uh, Molly, welcome back to the program. Thank you. And uh, we've had such an exciting time the last uh, couple of weeks. Um, and you've survived, I guess. I think so. I'm still here, Jim. You're still here. Okay, very <laughs> good. So uh, today, uh, I, I just gave, as you heard, a little bit of a, a summary. And of course, we hope that people have been listening to the podcast and so have heard um, you discuss your books. Um, today we're going to, uh, I'm going to ask you to talk about the uh, four books that uh, I guess we could call the adult books. Um, and to be sure these are not X-rated books, but they <laughs> are for adult um, um, readers probably late high school, college age, and up, and they're all interactive books as well, and Definitely. so uh, that's a, a, a something which I think is not unique, perhaps, but uh, certainly an extensive thing that you've used in, in many of your books, and which really do draw readers into them. So would you like to uh, tell us a little bit about uh, these books and and the, uh, the differences and the similarities between them? Okay, uh, I guess as I said before, I had grouped my books um, for your podcast, starting with the children's series. And then last week, of course, we did the trilogy and this week, I have four more books that I've grouped together. Um, 
what I have here are four new genres. Um, last week was the play and the novella. Before that, the children's series. And um, trying to live up to my personal challenge of being creative and trying every genre that I could to see if I could pull it off. There's four this week that I would uh, want to talk a little bit about. And each one, uh, as usual, because I'm a writing teacher, gives the reader a chance to respond to what it is I have to say. Because what it is I have to say is not always in line with the reader's thoughts. And definitely, I want to give the reader, who I guess deep down somewhere in me, I feel the reader's a student of writing and reading and words in general. I want to give them a chance to write. So that chance is in all four of these books. This week, um, I have R&R, which is Rest and Recreation for the Working Spirit. It's a daily log whereby I highlight every imaginable place where you could work, every profession that I could think of. And it's a pretty big book, over 400 pages. So I've had a lot of jobs in my life. And I know that working, whether you're an at-home mom, whether you're a doctor, whether you're a garbage collector or a priest, no matter what it is, it's something that is necessary to our life here on planet Earth. And I wanted to celebrate every single working profession that there was. So there's going to be that. There's going to be a book called Yours Truly. Really, this is yours, truly. That's the title. I wanted to give my readers some poetry. I wanted to hand it to them so that they could hand back to themselves a response to it. My poetry can be fun. It can be deep. It can be fantastic. And that gives a reader who's going to respond to it, a chance to jump into all those different types of writing. So it's not Shakespearean. It's not jokes. It's all different kinds of poetry that they get to respond to. Um, I wrote an Emily Dickinson riddle in there. And then the next page is for the reader to say, what do I want to be? Um, I wrote a poem about things still to come. And on the next page, the title is for the writer, there's room left inside my heart far. So there's all of those opportunities to write in the various genres, in the daily log, in the poetry book, and certainly in the book I'm holding in my hand right now, called The Book of Sweets. And that's a book I'm extremely proud of because I've had certain individuals take the book and write in it 
and be glad they had something to hand off to their family. The Book of Sweets is what I call a legacy album. And I'll give you um, a little taste of how you go through the Book of Sweets uh, to make it what you want it to be. Act one starts with dreamed beginnings. Dreams and dreamland is where you start your life. And if I can take the reader and the writer in this book all the way back to the beginning, they're going to relate experiences that even they forgot. Then we go through grade school first experiences. And that's a lot of fun. Everybody had most people, not everybody, most people had a good grade school experience. And that was, you know, as they say, school is the time of your life. Then we go to Act 3, High School Discoveries. Wow. That's when your life just seems to open up in so many new ways. Um, Sports, education itself, um, outside activities, dating maybe, and to capture some of those memories in this legacy album is invaluable to the writer's legacy, to their children, their relatives, their grandchildren, their friends. So then we take this book owner into the early years of their life where maybe they were just beginning their careers um, and they can write about uh, for me, uh, I had so many jobs, but one of the most extraordinary was working in the Army. And when I wrote this uh, in my own uh, book of sweets that I wrote, I thought to myself, my goodness, did I have all those feelings when I had my first job? Then we go into the middle years which uh, most of us remember very well because we're starting to settle at that time of our life, starting to settle into things. And we end it with Act 6, which I call the best years. That's personally where I'm at now, Jim. And I say it is because I've gained a little wisdom and come across things that um, I think are invaluable. Now, why is this book called, uh, I call it a legacy album, but why did I name it the Book of Sweets? Well, I'm going to give you page 10, and it'll tell you a little bit about what a sweet really is. This poem is called The Stardust History of the Heart. History belongs to all mankind, which makes it delightful to find that a selfie and a tweet is a sweet. How incredibly neat. It brings my words into focus without the hocus pocus of keeping a daily log or posting to a public blog. I now have my own book, a first class look at what I have to say. Hooray. I, it would have been a pity if the whole nitty gritty of my life went unknown so here's to my own Rosetta Stone, my book that holds statistics and personal characteristics. I'm so excited to start 
writing my bio a la carte. My words will sing inside a stardust string. My words will be part of the stardust history of the heart. Now, I know certain people in life, um, certain grandmas, who their children say now and then, oh, I wish I would have known what grandma had to say about when she went to school because things were so different then. Now there's a place for grandma and mom and dad and Uncle Sam and Aunt Louise to write those things down so the family will always know what they are. In between the acts, uh, which are the phases of your life, I offer as a lit teacher sweet dreams, places to go in your imagination to learn more about authors that for me are from my own hometown, St. Louis, Missouri. We are a literary treasure. We have more authors who came from the streets of St. Louis than you can imagine. So I focus on them in here and I give you what I call a place card as you're writing along to think about what that writer had to say. I'll open the book to just um, Anne Morrow Lindbergh. Wow, so many people came from St. Louis. In the middle of the book, I give you an intermission and it's a visit to a sweet shop. Well, that's the old fashioned term, uh, sweet. And we go to Crown Candy, a St. Louis treasure, of course. We move on from the middle of the book to writers that came from here. Uh, we have Fanny Hurst. We have Scott Joplin. And in the back of the book, what I do is I give you a list of the writers that I highlighted. And, oh my goodness, there's so many. And they're of all races and creeds. Tennessee Williams is a favorite of mine. Um, I also celebrate St. Louis journalists by giving you two full pages of names that I knew of that were St. Louis journalists. And it's a tribute to my late cousin, Roy Malone, who was a journalist for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. He was a friend of Bill McClellan. And um, I write just a little piece about them at the back of the book. So there's a lot going on in the Book of Sweets. You will not be bored if you pick it up and decide to write a few facts about your life because you have beautiful interruptions that give you time to think about what it is that you did in life and what you want your children and grandchildren and friends to know about what you did. Uh, it gives you a chance to learn about other writers, who they were and what they did. And um, to hear just the intimate details of your own Stardust Chamber. As I say, it's amazing to see what it is you have to say in writing.
And so start out when you get the book of sweets with a pencil. Because what you're going to want to do is say, wait a minute. I don't think I want my grandchildren to know I did that on that day. I think I'll change it to say this. And that is called the editing process. But in this book, <laughs> in this book, it's a lot of fun because you can do what you want. You sign the book in the front and it's it's your name on these words. So editing is a good idea. I even give you a place on Play J page eight to paste your picture. Uh, your selfie goes there and the rest of the book is your tweets and that comes together. A selfie and a tweet is a sweet. So I hope everyone enjoys the opportunity to write in that book. Well, I, so I guess found the, the um, different uh, writers and places um, and then the opportunity to be very interesting. Uh, I m must admit, I would start out with uh, writing some of the things and then grab my eraser <laughs> and started erasing. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, do you remember Jake McCarthy, who was the Bill McClellan before Bill McClellan? You know, Jim, I do remember that name. I can't bring his face to mind, but yes, I do. Did you know him? I didn't know him. Well, I met him a time or two um, at uh, Llewellyn's, <laughs> where a lot of the uh, journalist writers used to hang out. Hang out. But uh, yes. my wife used to see him every week because they both shopped together at the IGA store in U uh, City at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> he would drive a big old... Uh, station wagon, one of those from the 1960s, I guess. Uh, it was a sort of a land barge. And uh, he would he would be there shopping at the same time she was. And she'd come home and say, well, Jake McCarthy, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> so and then I would bump into, like I said, occasionally at Llewellyn's uh, and uh, because he liked to hang out there when he wasn't uh, grocery shopping. <laughs> so. uh, you know, I wish I could write a whole book on journalists because they do so much for us. Um, Bill McClellan, I just think, is just such a treasure for St. Louis. He fills us in on what was. He brings us up to date on other things that we need to know about. So he brings us the news and history. He blends it in story form. And I'm always glad when I open the Sunday Post-Dispatch and see that there's a piece in there from Bill McClellan. Um, mm -hmm. Am I partial because he was a friend of my cousin? Sure. But other than that, he's just, um, he writes his stories like a poem. You start here, you go through the middle, and you come back around to the top and it's a little bit of a spiral that keeps the reader so interested and ties it all in at the end. So thank you, Bill McClellan. Sorry for the uh, commercial, but some writers are just a lot of fun to talk about. <laughs> That's right. And uh, he hasn't been here all that long. You know, I mean, he, 
moved to St. Louis from where was it Arizona? Um, um, he's like he a travel log. A travel log. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and it's I guess it's probably been uh, thirty or forty years now that he's been here, but um, you know he's not a native, and yet he has um, come to know just about everyone worth knowing. So, and how many generations? Gen X, Millennium, all these different things have occurred just since he's been here in 40 years. Oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, as a baby boomer, my goodness, I hate to think how far back I go, but in some ways it's good because that's what I'm writing about currently. So that's a good thing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so. so I guess um, the final not the final book of mine, because I have something going now, but the latest book. Um, I thought, you know what? I'm trying to create all these genres and be uh, such a creative writer along the road. But I've never written to my students. And that kind of made me uh, feel bad. It took me back a little bit. And I thought, you know, what would I say to them if I could? So I thought back to my own experience in the classroom and my first inclination was to write a book entitled First You Love Them because I loved my students like they were my own kids. I have no biological children, but I certainly had them and they were one of the best things in my life. So I would look out among the students in their desks and I thought, what is it about this that I feel like I need to give to them? And they, teaching at the community college, everybody worked in the day, went to school at night for the most part. They were tired, but they were trying so hard. And sometimes with some of the youngsters and young adults, it just got overwhelming. It was just too much. Um, It happened to me in my young life when I was a student at the very same place where I taught, Florissant Valley Community College. I was working hard, going to school, uh, carrying a lot of hours, and I kind of crashed. And a teacher there, Henry Jaspar, my French teacher, called me at home. He said, I haven't seen you in a couple of classes. And I said, no, I don't know if I can keep doing this, Dr. Jaspar. And he said, well, guess what? I'm here to tell you that you can. And he motivated me. Now, I got back to school, kept going got my master's, blah, blah, blah. But I thought, you know, what would I have done without him interrupting my little crash, my self-pity, my overtiredness? And it came to me, I know what I can do for my students. I can try to motivate them just like he did for me. And so I wrote a handbook for them that is not like structural, not full of instructions, 
it's full of fun, happy, motivational ideas for them to carry on in their educational career. You can start, and if you're of a certain mind, maybe didn't have the best background, different things like that, you think, oh, I don't think I can do this. Read the handbook, and I'll tell you, you can do this. So I laid out um, some Beatitudes. The spiritual, biblical Beatitudes I always found inspiring. So I jumped off from them and created the B space attitudes, trying to change their attitude. Beware, be organized, be aspiring, be positive, be inquisitive, be true, be on the lookout, be dazzled, begin again and again, become and believe in yourself. So the book takes you on a starship ride through all of these beatitude ideas. And as you're on this ride, you're getting more confident and more confident because you know you can do this. You can aspire to greatness. You can be positive and carry on in the face of challenges. You can do all these things. And so I hope that the words I put together for students in this book really do motivate them like I kind of think that they will. And in the middle of the book, we touch down out of the starship and we land on the road to somebody. And this road is a special road that allows you to meet up with some of the characters from my previous books, which we've been through for the last few weeks. And they are some of the most motivational people that you'll ever run into. And they recall people that motivated them. So on this road, the student gets to hear from ministers who this minister recalls Dr. Martin Luther King, Mr. Goodman, my businessman, He recalls John McCarthy. They get to hear from the little maestro who recalls uh, another wonderful person from the rainforest, Chico Mendez. And they learn how these people had their own personal struggles, but they pursued, they persevered, and they made it. Iris, my star girl, who I have a lot of faith in, she's on the road. And she recalls another person who was just an astronomical genius, Celia Payne Gaposhkin. What a gal. Dr. Abel, my pharmacist, he recalls Marie Curie. Now, who in the world needed more motivation to find that little glowing radium than Marie Curie? If she doesn't inspire you, Nobody will. So all of these characters, and it goes on for quite a ways, help a student learn, hey, there's other people in the world, not just me. We're all trying to make it. We all need to get our education. And so at the end, um, they meet their biggest fan, which is me. And at the end, I list 
the original Beatitudes, which begin, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And it runs to the to the last Beatitude. But what I try to do is take those who just may have um, a problem with their spirit and encourage their spirit so that they can be all that they can be. And this is a this has been a book that I really do hope gets in the hands of kids who are possibly struggling, kids who may be on the verge of making a decision to leave school. And I even thought it could go to those who are incarcerated. It's very motivational to begin your life again. And I I think a lot of people could become motivated by this to change their life for the better. I hope and pray that is the case. Um, Having been involved with the book um, throughout the process, I found it immensely uh, motivating and interesting and unlike any other handbook that I've ever seen because while it does offer a few um, nuts and bolts at the beginning, it's mostly a matter of challenging the student uh, with those B attitudes to uh, develop uh, the, the kinds of characteristics in their lives that will carry them through and help them be successful in, as people, first of all, and then with whatever it is uh, that they choose to do uh, in terms of um, work and, and contributions to society and so on. Uh, it's inter- and you mentioned a lot of different characters, real, your characters who also introduce then the real people and talk about them uh, is very interesting. And I liked your comment about uh, Henri Jaspar, uh, who <laughs> was uh, uh, one of my friends. Uh, and I always found it interesting that he would go into a, a classroom and he was very old school in many ways and tell them about his background and his credentials so that they knew uh, that he wasn't <laughs> just somewhat off the streets trying to teach them French or French or German. And um, when I was working on my uh, doctorate back in the olden days, long, long ago, you had to do tools. Now those tools are computers and computer programs, but back right. then right. you had to pass French and German. And so uh, I talked to, yeah, I had a little bit of both of them and I talked to Henry and he said, okay, because um, he knew I didn't have time to uh, take a bunch of courses. So he said, get this book for French or this one for German and go through them very, very carefully. And so I did and then went in and took the test and passed both of them first time. So when I was able to go back and talk to him, I said, you got me through both of them first time so that I could spend time on other things. So, uh, yeah, he was he was a a real gentleman and uh, 
Uh, I'm glad to hear that he was one of your motivators. Uh, I didn't know that he actually made calls to students <laughs> to I ask sure why they were in class. <laughs> I sure didn't either. So, but uh, yes, he was—he was something. Um, after he retired uh, from teaching in St. Louis, he moved to Texas. Oh, and was there uh, and taught at a number of different schools. Uh, and I, once or twice a year, I'd get a, a letter from him. And then one of them was always a request for a recommendation uh, to some place he was applying. And so <laughs> that went on for, for a number of years. So, and then unfortunately, uh, he went to the great college in the skies and right, right. And uh, everything. So, well, um, any last thoughts? Well, I guess, Jim, um, just to kind of wrap up this plethora of books that I've talked about over the weeks, uh, and to thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to do that, um, I would kind of end it with a thought about Dr. Jaspar and the woman I call the queen, two people in my life that took the time uh, to counsel and guide me, um, never asked for any thanks, just did it. And that somehow ties in to my attempt to give people a chance to write and be uplifted, you never know what your actions and your words will do to help another person. Um, as Emily Dickinson said, to help a fainting robin unto its nest. So I'm grateful that I had the opportunity to show people how to write in my books, to give them uh, these examples. And um, I guess because it all came from my stardust chamber, Jim. <laughs> and thank you. Well, it's very good to have uh, had an opportunity to uh, peek into that chamber and and uh -huh. see what uh, what was going on and how um, uh, Stardust uh, was such an influence. Uh, I'm, I want to thank you again for being here these uh, past three weeks now. And also um, do a little tease uh, for our uh, listeners uh, to remind them that uh, you're currently working on uh, a three-volume set, uh, perhaps. It started as one, and it's up to three, so who <laughs> knows? It could be a, a, a set of ten volumes by the time it's finished, but right the now... Words, the words will not stop. They won't stop coming, Jim. They just keep coming. <laughs> right now, it's a three-volume set uh, called City Brick, and, of course, that's a reference to St. Louis, and it's... Um, brick history and to the houses and the families that lived in those houses and the experiences that um, uh, that were shared. 
and so that's going to be coming. And I hope that perhaps uh, along the way we can get you to share some things uh, about how it's developing, um, perhaps another podcast. And um, I'll see if I can get you to uh, share some pieces of writing that we can put on our website. I would love to. Um, Thank you. I would love to. Okay. And I want to remind our um, listeners that um, you can get um, all of Molly's books uh, at uh, Amazon.com. She also has uh, her author's page. Um, And I want to uh, remind you that uh, Novel Approach is brought to you by Bearhound 7 Productions by the Something Different Network and Uncommon Sense Radio 4.0, the podcast. Uh, If you've enjoyed the series of uh, podcast discussions, uh, please consider uh, subscribing. Uh, You can find our podcast, of course, at um, uh, novelapproachnopunctuation.net and share that with uh, your friends. And so um, uh, ending this week, again, Molly, thank you for being with us. Thank you, Jim. It was a pleasure. Okay, and thank you, listeners.